force be with you. Always. What's up, guys? I'm Daniel Logan, Boba Fett from Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and The Clone Wars. You will listen to Call the Portion Podcast. So who talks first? You talk first, I talk first. Hello and welcome back to the Quarter Portion Podcast, the only Star Wars podcast that doesn't actually have a snappy Star Wars quote to start the show off today. I am your uh, your host, Chris DeHoog, and I am joined remote via satellite by Derek and Amy Cameraman. Hola. Hello. So, how have you guys been? <laughs> we have barely talked. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I guess we're still, like, we're still doing like our chat, I guess, every once in a while that we kind of do and, you know rag on each other but yeah there's been obviously no in-person anything because of social distancing so it's been very weird not having uh, any kind of geekery with other people <laughs> yeah it's been very weird but yeah. we're thriving because we're both introverts so it's kind of nice a lot of video games a lot of video games a lot of video games is great uh, i'm very jealous of that because for me it's also like my routine hasn't really changed because i still have the kids that do their thing so like I just don't drive to work right now. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, okay, daddy's going down to the basement now, and there I am for nine hours, and I go back up, and then, yeah, <laughs> see the light of day again. And then your dad again. <laughs> and, then it's, and then it's the other job that I always have. So. Yep. It's definitely been a surreal situation, but uh, hope, hopefully everyone who's listening is uh, doing well, um, as well as we can in this tough time. Um, I know some of you are probably still working out there, and for anyone who is providing an essential service, uh, really appreciate it. It's so hard to I, it's it's so hard to see social cues because I don't know when to talk because we can't <laughs> see each other. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, is he done? Do I talk? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely, uh, we definitely appreciate all the essential services, especially those frontline workers. Special shout out to Derek um, with us today, who is a nurse. So I'm always appreciative towards him doing his job and what he does every day. Well, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, so with all that being said, I think we'll get on with our uh, usual topic, get our minds off more unpleasant stuff going on right now. Um, that's one thing Star Wars has always been good for, for me anyways, is that, you know, a little bit of escapism. So let's, uh, let's dive on into that, because today we have some questions from the audience. Um, it's been a little slow, obviously, news-wise. <laughs> yeah. Studios being shut down, so. Yeah. Um, Focuses have kind of been elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, everyone is hiding away and not talking about Star Wars publicly from Lucasfilm's offices. So so we did reach out. We do have a couple questions from the audience to get to. The first of which is actually pertaining to the only real sort of news, quote unquote news that we've had in the past couple of weeks. Um, this question comes from Paul Van Dyke on Facebook, friend of the show and former guest, who wanted to know our thoughts on Ahsoka potentially being in season two of The Mandalorian. What role do you think she'll have with the child and being a former Jedi? So yeah, towards the start of the whole current times, uh, <laughs> there was a story from Hollywood Reporter, I believe it was, or, for, or anyways, it was circulated through a bunch of credible industry sources that um, Rosario Dawson would be playing the role of Ahsoka Tano in season two of The Mandalorian, meaning she'd be playing Ahsoka in live action for the first time. Now, I know Ahsoka is not your biggest favorite, Amy. Definitely not. Uh, she's continued to uh, irritate me mildly. Even her cool, her moments, she still kind of bugs me. So that being said, I do accept that she's a big part of the Star Wars universe and a fan favorite for a lot of others. So I think it would be kind of cool if they did bring Ahsoka into the Mandalorian um, just to connect it a bit better. Because right now, other than there being a baby Yoda, who we're, I feel like, safely assuming other than some of the crazy theories out there, isn't actually Yoda. Um, like oh, some kind of it's not Yoda. I know, but there are there are theories. I've read them. Um, <laughs> but other than that tie-in, um, there hasn't really been much else to re really tie it into what we know of the Star Wars universe. There's not really characters that a lot of people are familiar with, um, unless, again, you've read some books and comics. But for the average Star Wars goer, like I am, I've only really done the, the movies and a handful of the books um, and the games, obviously. And the TV shows. A lot of the yeah, and the TV shows. Um, that a lot of the characters in The Mandalorian weren't very common knowledge to me. So I think it would be nice to put Ahsoka in that to kind of really ground the feel of of uh, consistency almost in the characters to to know where where we're at in in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, true. Would be nice to yeah make some connections to what we know to what's new and and once again kind of figure out what's going on with Ahsoka too because based on Rebels she kind of disappears and we're like where'd she go? What's she doing? And hopefully that would answer some questions that we'd have. Well, on Rebels, 
she's kind of assumed dead, isn't she? Ass- assumed. And then once again, kind of seeing what she does like in the background of because she does disappear, right? And we don't really know a lot about what she's doing aside from trying to start the rebellion. Yeah, because because uh, Vader like looks like he kills her, and then turns out there's some wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff going on with the rule between worlds and essentially time travel. So she kind of got saved from that situation through some science fiction stuff, and then went off and did some stuff while the while the war was going on, and then she comes back at the end of Rebels to get Sabine. So they can go off and look for Ezra, who's lost somewhere in space. She she shows up in like that cool white robe with like the staff and stuff. Like it's something happens. Like she's learned some stuff. It looks like so. Yeah, true enough. And then as for the part of the question about how we think it'll pertain with her being a Jedi to Baby Yoda, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting aspect because at the time, the timing that it is, it sounds like Ahsoka is supposed to be kind of like a Jedi again, unlike what we're seeing right now in the Clone Wars TV show where she's kind of hiding that right now. Um, so I wonder if she will. Re- recognize the force and attempt to help the Mandalorian so that he understands what to be doing. Um, I don't think she'll try to take him by any means because she's kind of against like the Jedi way. Um, so I don't think she's going to try to take him and like train him or anything like that. I think she's just <laughs> going to be like, yo, he has the force. Watch out <laughs> and kind of give yeah. him some pointers and tips. <laughs> well, and then the interesting thing too, is that obviously the species, the Yoda species, whatever you want to call it, um, obviously ages at a very slow rate considering in the show he's 50 years old. I don't know if it, if the baby Yoda or the um, would ever really come to a point where Yosoka could even like teach him or whatever. Maybe just be a guardian or yeah, teach the Mandalorian about the Force or something like that. I guess it depends on the time lapse between season one and season two as well. well. That's true, yeah, because maybe it is 10 years in the future or whatever, And it'll right? be that far because then we'll get messy with timelines again. Yeah, true enough. I presume it'll be close to, yeah, but like, again, there could be some gap there. And like, at, at the end of season one, the armorer tells the Mandalorian to go off and find the child's people, but also warns him that like the Mandalorians were like bitter enemies of the Jedi in the past. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she calls them like warlocks and stuff like that. So there's a weird tension there already in that he, he needs to find them, but he also needs to be wary of them. Yeah. And Ahsoka's like the one remaining Jedi you can do because you can't really. I mean, it's trickier involving Luke and the Mandalorian, like recasting Agreed. a younger Luke. Although Sebastian Stan, Bucky Barnes from the MCU would make a really good lookalike, kind of in the same way that people thought Rosario Dawson should play her. It's just, it's, it's it's hairier bringing him in to do that, but Ahsoka is a different story because she's not. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not. She's not fully defined yet. Yeah, she's yeah. not fully defined yet. We don't know her story yet, whereas we know Luke's beginning and end. It's some of the middle that we're missing, but for the most part, we know Luke's story. Ahsoka is, we still know her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like the hairy thing with this news, too, is that this will be the first time she's being played in live action. And until this point, Ashley Eckstein has been very much entwined with Ahsoka Tano, the character, like her voice actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a very big section of. Ahsoka's fans that will be very irritated that she's not actually playing her in live action. Well, yeah, but that's like anything that goes from non-live action to live action. Like a lot of the times you can't get upset by that because just because it's her voice doesn't mean that she's going to fit the bill for, you know, actually acting on camera. Um, not just a voice, her, but a body. Yeah. And, yeah. There was a mock-up done of, of Rosario Dawson, like as Ahsoka, like when this first, when this idea first came up, like, two years ago or something like Rosario herself tweeted about being involved in or said she'd love to be involved in some way. She's got like the facial structure for it. I think like better than mm-hmm. Eckstein does per se. <laughs> and we still have cats on the show. Only this time it isn't Virgil. It's Eeyore. <laughs> Yay kittens. So that's now two cats on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he has opinions. He has, he has thoughts. <laughs> Quarter portion podcast, the only Star Wars podcast where cats have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and Ashley Eckstein is actually sounds kind of disappointed by this news, as I right to be. Like I, I can, like it must be frustrating to not be involved in this because from the sounds of it, again, this is not one hundred percent confirmed. Like Lucasfilm has not said anything about this. Disney has not confirmed or anything like that. It's just being passed around by a bunch of by a bunch of sources as things do these days. Um, but the. The thought of it is off, like would obviously be upsetting. I, I can only imagine she's been like the epitome of this character for so long. Like she voiced Ahsoka's audiobook, and Dave wow. Filoni has always been really like 
protective of the two of them combined. So it's it's interesting to me that like it like almost seems like a, like a point against the rumors that she was not aware of it until this point. It feels like Loni would have brought it to her attention or floated it by her or something. Yeah, definitely not involving her um, right away. I think maybe it was a bit of a mistake because it, it is her character. Again, it'd be different if they like talked to her being like, hey, we want to bring her live action. We're thinking of this actress. We want you to work with her so she gets, you know, the Ahsoka-isms of her, you know, speech and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Because then it'd be a different story because then you can be like, yeah, they're working side by side to bring Ahsoka to life, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing too that comes with the possibility of having Ahsoka in based on the ending of Rebels, this could kind of open the door for Sabine to jump to live action as well. Would you want to see that? Definitely. And it would make sense with the Mandalorian storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, and in, in, in Rebels, like she ends up with the um, the dark saber. So she passes it off to Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. It says like you lead the Mandalorians now, and then it pops up in Moff Gideon's hands next time we see it. So yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how. So yeah, they've already kind of correlated that between the two shows. So I think that this is almost like an ex- like an extension of it. So I think it'll be really cool if they're able to bring some of those characters on over to see what's going on. Yeah, I agree. You could have Ezra on as well. Like you could jump, cast him in live action as well. Like if they found him or something. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think he'd be pretty easy to cast as well. Ezra's a pretty mainstream character. No offense, Ezra. Love the character, but he's <laughs> he's pretty basic. <laughs> love Ezra, but don't love Ahsoka. Ahsoka, <laughs> she just I I can't get over the original Clone Wars movie, the cartoon yeah, I was gonna, movie with her. I just I was gonna say you're too caught up in that. I can't do it. <laughs> whereas whereas well, once again, I've never actually seen the movie and it's something I've been meaning to do. Um and and there are, are points in the obviously early in the Clone Wars TV show where it's like, okay, you're just really annoying. But like once you see her grow um, and then once you get into Rebels, where she becomes like a leader and a little bit more mysterious and maybe not following when she's not following the Jedi way, it's like, okay, there's some definite growth and she's definitely changed and she's not a kid anymore and she's not annoying. And so I think it would be neat to kind of flush out her character more as probably a more mature character in The Mandalorian, especially in live action. Yeah, I'd like to see her take on the, that sagely mentor role, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is funny because that's almost a very Jedi thing to do, right? And yeah, which she's... is why I can't see her doing that. I, I don't think she'll end up being like that. <laughs> she won't be making the child carry her in a backpack as, he, as she finds it. <laughs> run, <laughs> run, 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 jump. <laughs> yeah. Well, like run, I said, I think, it, I, I think it would be more of a sagely role, honestly, towards the Mandalorian more than the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If, if anything, right? Or just a random companion that helps them on a mission and then disappears again. Like, I don't know how that would work but someone's got to teach the mandalorian about the jedi and like i think that's a good spot to use her Mm -hmm. maybe not like a like a full-on series regularly covering every episode but like pop in for an episode or two and drop some lore and everything like that that'd be great yeah yeah and by the same token sabine too to talk about the mandalorian side of it like because she's got a very different like her clan is very different from whatever the mandalorians have or whatever the Mandalorian's clan has become like that yeah. commune that we saw in the series is a very, very serious sect of Mandalorians. Whereas you know, like Sabine's other painting her armor with like funky colors and things like that. But then having the distinction of being able to say that she fought for Mandalore, like she helped defend the planet from the empire and like, and even to see how she fared through the whole purge that we haven't gotten to yet. It'd be interesting to see her talk about that as well. And just, show him a different side of their culture agreed mm-hmm. i think it'll be very good and again connecting because that was one of the big shocks that people had when starting the mandalorian that did watch rebels being like um this isn't how the mandalorian are what are you talking about and then we got into like every clan is different blah 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 they all have their own rules and mandates and all this kind of stuff right so yeah i think once again I think the biggest issue with the Mandalorian that happened was that there was a disconnect from the rest of the universe, which was cool because a lot of people that aren't huge Star Wars people really love the show as a show. And they didn't feel like they had to know Star Wars to be watching the show, which was cool. But then for all the people that are big Star Wars fans, they want more of that connect. So I think if they add in these characters that they're able to add in, it will add that connection into it. Mm-hmm. It would be exciting, I think, to see her in the show, but... If not, then I'm still excited to see Mandalorian in season two, regardless. So, yeah, I mean, either way, yeah, I know, just give it to me now. But I think they've actually said that it'll be coming out in October, so, um, unless production like 
post production gets messed up by the whole situation right now. So right, they they wrap uh, the photography on it already. So like it's already filmed. They just need to edit it and everything like that. So hopefully things keep going smooth in that department. Agreed. Stupid COVID nineteen. <laughs> uh, so our other fan question. This will uh, definitely set off some reactions here. Uh, comes to us from my friend Caroline, who was recently watching the end of, of Revenge of the Sith for the first time. And they asked me, shouldn't Obi-Wan have finished Anakin off for good and saved the galaxy and his friends so much pain? Referring specifically to why Obi-Wan didn't put Anakin out of his like out of his misery. <laughs> it is a very good question. It's not the Jedi way. They take captives. They don't execute. Even with Dooku, they weren't supposed to execute him. They were supposed to take him in. So I have a feeling yeah. he was supposed to leave and then go re-get him kind of thing, right, to take him in. It's just that obviously that part didn't happen uh, because then he would have found Padme being like, oh, shit, you dead, girl. Like, let's get mm-hmm. you to hospital. And that kind of took precedence. But I have a feeling behind the scenes, his intention would have always been to go back to bring him in. And then obviously everything else happened, right? So, um, but no, I, I definitely don't think that... Uh, he would have executed him because a it's not the jedi way they're not supposed to do that and obi-wan has always been a very jedi character um and then b at the end of the day he does let his emotion get to him he loves anakin that's what he says you're you're a brother to me like he's not he's not going to kill him no i think he would have a very hard time doing that regardless of whether he was a jedi because they were obviously very close um like brothers and yeah regardless of what Anakin's choices were then yeah to kill him would have just been straying too far I think for Obi-Wan um especially considering like I just read the the book Master and Apprentice um about uh Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and that's definitely not the character that Obi-Wan is and yes he did dismember Anakin but yeah he he wouldn't have he wouldn't have killed him for sure in his own beliefs let alone like he was a he's a, he's a rule follower Definitely. He's he always has been. And that's the whole thing is that the Jedi aren't executioners. They're not supposed to kill. It's supposed to be self-defense. At that point, Anakin was defenseless. He was not going to kill a defenseless man, especially one he loved. Yeah. Yeah. See, like I, I've always read it as like he couldn't have done it anyways. Like even if he should, yeah. even, even though it was the Jedi way, I could have done it because like he said, well, Anakin, you are a brother to me, but he's so much more like Anakin is simultaneously like his student, his brother. Yeah. Son, son, friend, yeah. his comrade, his co-worker. Like, it's just everything rolled into one with the two of them. Yeah, everything positive you could say about a person that was Anakin to uh, Obi-Wan. Plus, practical reasons. We know he doesn't kill him, so... <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, yes, yeah. Story. But again, the question, the question is why we think he didn't. And I think, I think the big part of it is that his entire life has been following a code, and that is not the code. And then behind that code is also his emotional connection to him, where at the end of the day, he couldn't bring himself to kill him. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the two times Obi-Wan is actually genuinely emotional, or, let it, or letting mm-hmm. it compromise him, at least. Yes. Um, like the other being um, Satine. His Mandalorian lover. Um. Oh, yes, <laughs> which I can't even get into because of the crossover with Hugh McGregor being in Moulin Rouge and his love interest being Satine there. Can't do it. It's too awesome and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing Kelly mentioned is that they started laughing at how bad the dismemberment scene is. And that just, I, I still can't reconcile that moment in my mind after all these years. Like Jar Jar Binks, I, I, I've dealt with him, I've, I've come to peace with him and accepted him as a character. That dismemberment at the end of that duel, I still can't wrap my head around how that was the best way to do that. Uh, yeah, I get it. It's the whole high ground thing. A lot of people still have a problem with the high ground thing. Um, being like, really? He can't just like force jump up there or any like I know he just jump up and that's the whole point, but like there could have been other ways to do it. Colleen and I actually um during our self-isolation that we had to do when Derek and I were both sick. Um not with the COVID guys, don't worry, but just <laughs> regular sickness. <laughs> but yeah, so we actually started binge watching Gilmore Girls and there's actually a scene um where episode three comes out and the two characters that are in there, uh, Luke and Lorelai, for those to watch it and if you don't hello you should be um they actually go on a rant about it he's just like they're like these wizard guys that have all this magic power they can move they can jump they can do these things like tell me just because he was standing on a mountain a little bit higher than him he couldn't have taken him out really so like again it it's a little bit i do think they could have done it a little bit better (laughs) it's it's the practicality of like okay one swipe does this j motion essentially through him and like just cleanly severs him at the elbow and the knees like that's just like couldn't you've had him like 
like slash him and have him like burn his legs in the lava or something. Like... Yeah, they had the lava there, and that's the whole thing. I think they should have utilized that a little bit better, right? Was mm-hmm. was that? Yeah, even if they just dismembered him elsewhere where he fell more into the lava, that would have done that would have done the job, just like they did on Vader's dick. <laughs> you can't tell me I can't bring that up in this conversation. We're talking about his dismemberment. <laughs> uh, that's that's a. Uh... Too soon. Call back to the Patreon <laughs> bonus episode, the outtakes from Art Ashes of the Order season one. <laughs> For more, check that out there. And we're sorry. <laughs> I'm I not. Know, I don't know why you're not. Sorry, I am. It's comedy He's embarrassed gold. by me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I am also embarrassed by you, and I'm your husband, so. Well, you know, it happens sometimes. It's real talk. No, but like uh, the one, except the one thing that I kind of find some, some some justification in is that it probably was too much for younger audiences to like have Anakin repeatedly dismembered in one scene. So like this was Lucas's cop out essentially. See what they really should have done was that scene um, from Monty Python with uh, the Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> it is but a flesh wound. But I offed your arm. <laughs> I cut off your arm and your legs. Just a flesh wound. You're on with fire. brothers, Anakin. I mean, Obi Wan. I mean, what? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you off my arm. I hate you. <laughs> I could still fight. <laughs> I'll gnaw your leg off. <laughs> on that note, I, th- I think it's a good time uh, to take a break for a word from our sponsor and a tune from the Cantina Band. Do you have a vision for a cosplay prop, novelty item, or other project, but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank? Nerdful Things has you covered. Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons to masks and helmets to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote at www.nerdfulthings3d.com. Yeah, so I thought that one uh, thing that a lot of uh, audience members might want to know is more of the behind the scenes stuff with us, because I know whenever I listen to different podcasts or YouTube stations, I'm always curious about the people behind the podcasting. Um, so I guess one of the questions that uh, I think is is good to know is after we're done our, at this time, phone conversations, but usually recording in Chris's basement, um, what happens afterwards? Like who takes care of the actual episode for afterwards and how it gets uploaded and all that kind of jazz? Well, most of that is currently on me. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah. So after you guys leave, I spend a few nights after my kids are in bed and everything like that, just picking through the audio. Yeah, just editing, like editing all together, putting this, putting the music in, putting in the breaks, and when it comes to Bachelor of the Order, putting in sound effects as well, and cutting out big gaps where we are uh, checking our notes or going for drinks or taking a break or something like that. And yeah, uh, then I upload it all up and. Uh, Try to put it up at midnight every Friday, and uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Well, thank you, because uh, you make it all worth it, because I couldn't do what you do, because editing sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> it's not as daunting as it sounds. <laughs> it's just, it can be time-consuming. It depends on how particular you are, right? Like, I try to cut out some, like, verbal tics or, like, little things. Things I notice anyways that other people might not notice, but, um, like, my own, like, deep breaths and things like that <laughs> that my mic likes to pick up. Unlike my man voice, which you can't fix. <laughs> <laughs> I can bring it up a little bit, maybe if I do a little bit more about the program I use. Like I, I use Audacity, which is like a free software and actually quite powerful considering the fact that it's free. So gets the job done. It depends on your own editing style, really, right? Like it's just I'm a little more particular about some things. And Pat too used to edit mostly in an Adobe program called Audition, which is a little more particular. And again, he was very precise in leveling and trying to take some stuff out and everything like that. So again, it, it's it's down to the editors own ocd essentially <laughs> awesome well again thanks for what you do because uh yeah it's it's a task i know that you do for us all the time for both of the the shows and it's awesome turns out oh, great if i do say so myself well thank you i appreciate <laughs> that ashes is definitely more time consuming i will say like yeah. ashes is a lot more to deal with but that's probably because we have four people recording on one mic and you're adding sound effects yeah. in. adding sound effects and trying to maintain a narrative and and i feel like we end up with more actual content to write because we're recording for a while and it is a, a system that we're trying to figure out ourselves too and it's not just a conversation it's more of a okay now what do we do and there's a lot of pauses and some actual 
gameplay in the midst of like 40 minutes of okay what are we actually doing and outtakes when people can't nail their accents and oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're not trained actors either right like for, for actors like we're not trained in that that's not anything we've ever done professionally or no. remotely no. Trained, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. so there's some challenges there yeah this is literally just because we enjoy things like D and we figured hey star wars yeah well that kind of leads me into to my next question that i had was um why we all decided to get into ashes of the order well for me anyways it was an idea i had because i was looking into the star wars role-playing game for those of you who haven't heard about our extra live streams basically for the last 10 years Derek and me and Derek's brother and some of our friends have started playing Magic the Gathering um, mostly and then some other board games and then D&D and then we've added in some other friends to the group like Amy and then our friend Steven who is the absolute worst. The worst person. And, uh, <laughs> he the, is the worst person. The worst. And yeah, our, like our group's kind of spiraled. We have essentially 10 members. We do like an extra live stream to raise money for charity every year. You might have heard of us talk about it on the show before. Anyways, just as, as part of like our game night thing, I thought... Well, like the Star Wars role playing game sounds kind of fun, and I know, like I know you two are really into Star Wars, and there's some other people in our group who are really into it. But scheduling is hard. Like our group is now all adults; some of us have children. Like we're almost all married at this point, and it's just, it's hard to schedule these things. So basically, like you two were the only two I had that were like, interested within our own game group. But the other thought that was going through my head was the idea of doing it as an actual play podcast. Two of my favorite podcasts in my personal rotation of shows are The Adventure Zone from the Macquarie Brothers, which is mind-blowingly genius and hilarious at the same time. Definitely recommend that. And the other one is The Broadswords, which is a D&D show with a cast of all-female or non-binary uh, members. And like, I love those shows. I thought this would be really cool to do. Much in the same way that I started doing podcasting in the, in the first place. Like I thought, okay, this would be cool. Like I think I could do an interesting show with this. So I have the idea of doing it doing our Star Wars roleplay for our, our group as a product and talked about who you'd get as like a third member and Colleen seemed like a good fit being your sister and yeah. Yeah, I think that's how it basically covers it. Like, yeah, as soon as you came to us about it, it was a very easy yes on my part for sure because at that point I'd already done a few of the episodes um, with you on the main show. So this show for the Quarter Portion Podcast and like instantly fell in love with podcasting. It was like, how can I like force my way into your life more for this? Because <laughs> like, all the time that I'm not podcasting, I'm like, oh, I wish you were just podcasting. <laughs> especially Ashes. Yeah, especially Ashes. So mm. um, I've always loved D&D. And so for this to be that type of game at Star Wars, perfectly up my alley. And then obviously with, yeah, my uh, sister, Colleen, um, who plays Rokti, she is uh, currently living with us while she puts herself back through school right now. So it was very easy for us to figure out scheduling with her. She's a Star Wars fan, but in a very, um, she's a lot more of a just movie watching Star Wars fan. So she basically knows the movies only, but enjoys them thoroughly. But even she is able to get into it and knows the lore enough to be able to enjoy it. Um, so it's really nice having her around as, as a fresh voice uh for it all and she's had her own D group forever as well with her own friends so she's also very familiar with that kind of formatation of uh games and things like that so definitely easy for me to say yes and for her to say yes and i mean derek didn't really have a choice even if he didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> but hey i also really like star wars and D, &D so therefore it was an easy yes for me and honestly like because one of my one of my fantasies i guess was obviously being a Jedi at some point, as I'm sure a lot of people are, because that just is badass, which I, ironically enough, I'm not playing a Jedi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just, it's just, I've always been like, because the Star Wars universe is so vast, um, there's so much to it. It's just so cool to go to some of the places in our game that obviously have been a, a part of like the Lucasfilms just storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it, it's fun for b2 planning it like i'm kind of i've kind of become like a perpetual dm in our group for when it comes to like role playing or things like that so one of my goals was to try and, and like imbibe our show with as many like easter eggs and cool nods and interconnectivity as i could so there's a lot of neat little easter eggs in there if you're listening yeah tell your friends 
uh, I think a lot of people quit, uh, ask this a lot whenever we've been at conventions and things like that. Um, and even just in my own, I actually don't know the real answer behind it. Where the Quarter Portion podcast com- name comes from. I know it's because of the Quarter Portion scene that happens um, with Ray. But what made you and Pat decide that's the name we want to go to? What clung that to you guys? Well, so... Pat and I were working, I've told the story on the show before, I think, but like uh, Pat and I were working together and we just kind of gradually realized that each of us was as big of a Star Wars fan as the other one was. And oh, like, well, like, do you listen to this podcast or this podcast or blah, 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 blah. So it came down to a matter of like, once we realized we wanted to do a podcast, like you start looking at the name, like that's the the first thing you can think of. That's your, that's your identity, your brand or what have you. And uh, a lot of good options were already taken. (laughs) as it happens um, imagine that like my first choice would have been like something like jedi council and ironically that was like the main show that pat and i were talking about was one called the uh, jedi council that collider used to do we threw out a bunch of ideas and had to rule a bunch out because they'd already been used or too similar and i think i, I think i throw the idea of quarter portion podcast i'm an english major so like i enjoy the pentameter of like the quarter portion podcast and sounded catchy and at the time Raptor Rogue One came out so Force Awakens was a little more fresh in everyone's mind and also kind of like the sort of self-deprecating kind of undertone of the name like oh this portion's only, this podcast is only worth quarter portion like <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my own sense of humor so yeah like once that uh once that was thrown out that kind of became the front runner we also bandied the idea of Kyber Club around a lot mm-hmm. um it's still our still our uh our website address and our Twitter handle but uh yeah, quarter portions kind of become the overriding thing, especially as we grew and sort of became a network, as we call it. So quarter portion scene in Force Awakens inspired it. And yeah, like the sound and the uh, self-deprecating tone of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the one of the final behind the scene questions, which we've uh, talked about a little bit, and I think a lot of people may have picked up on it a lot, is how we know each other, how we're all in connect- interconnected and, and had this all kind of happen. So I guess how it kind of all started, like Chris kind of mentioned, um, well, okay, let's, let's back up for a second. I'm going to talk about myself because I'm the most important person. Obviously. Um, nice, nice, nice. Yes. So, and then I'm going to, of course, talk about my lovely wife. We actually ended up going to high school together. Actually, we, had, we wow, I'm, I'm stupid. Okay. We started back in middle school together, grade seven, um, which is where I guess we probably first met each other slash knew about each other, but we didn't really become friends until high school. And then Chris um, happened to be a really good friend of my brother's. We all went to the same high school together. I think I was finishing up as you guys were starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're, what, three years older? Most of us were, like, big music people, too. So, like, I was in my final years of the band as you guys were coming, well, as you, Derek, were coming into that. And yeah, and then you choir. were in choir hey. with Amy. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. just right. about yeah. to mention that. I Thank have you pictures <laughs> of evidence of us in choir together. <laughs> but, yeah, and then because of our Magic the Gathering group, Chris and I, and then eventually, eventually Amy, we became pretty good friends. There's a weird like layers upon layers of things with our friendship here because yes. oh I was yes, about to get to that too. Yeah, like one like one of, one of your best friends is my brother-in-law. Yes, yeah, yeah. brother-in-law and our other friend Stephen that I mentioned earlier, who's the worst. The four of us have matching tattoos, but yeah, it's Chris's brother-in-law um, who then brings that into it, and then his brother-in-law Kevin and Derek are actually like legit best friends with each other so it becomes like this whole yeah like Chris said layered thing even after I joined like our our geek group that we have every week that we talked about earlier um Derek and I became romantically involved uh years (gasps) into our friendship (laughs) and then ended up getting married and here we are (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 funny how the interconnectivity goes too because when I brought you guys in on the podcast and we had the first episode with Pat we found this like far-flung connection between Pat and your family, Derek. So like it was, it's just it's mm-hmm. been weird this whole time. Yeah, just a weird. But, yeah, that's the that's the background there. Yeah, our friendship goes long and layered and deep. That's for sure. <laughs> Dirty. So yeah, so our previous questions were a bit more in depth, but a few questions that I thought of for us to kind of do a more lightning round with. Please feel free to comment when you listen to this on your answers for them as well, because we'd love to hear them. Um, so the first one being, who is your all-time favorite Star Wars character? Oof. <laughs> I know that's, you're that's a, that is a difficult one to answer. Um, but honestly, I think just thinking back to when I first started watching Star Wars and kind of how I've related to said character over the years, and then even kind of relating to Ashes um, and the, my character choice, um, I feel like Han Solo is probably one of my, yeah, probably my favorite. 
just because he's kind of the witty douchebag, um, quick with a one-liner, not always acting the nicest, but I don't know, just all around seeming cool. And then, like I said, being able to just say, okay, Greedo, you're wanting money, but I'm going to kill you because F you. I don't know. He's just always kind of just been so cool to me. And I've always been a huge Harrison Ford fan, um, even through like Indiana Jones and such. So I think I was connected with him just because of Harrison Ford as well. But yeah, I think that's that's my favorite. I am going to cheat a little bit and pick two, but they're very closely intertwined. And that is Jason and Jaina Solo from the Legends timeline. They don't exist. Um, <laughs> I don't, well, no, they do. It's just in a different timeline. That's <laughs> always been my philosophy is that it's just a different universe. Anyways, yeah, like I read a lot of the books when I was growing up, but like reading above my, my reading level even, and they eventually came out with a series called The Young Jedi Knights, where Jason and Jaina were the main characters as they were going to Luke's Jedi Academy on Yavin 4. There was two book series I was obsessed with at the time and was following as they were being published month to month, and that was Animorphs and Young yeah. Jedi Knights. <laughs> Go Animorphs. I remember obsessively watching for them to come out, which was hard to do before the internet, but somehow like I always got them like the first month or so which was a lot considering um you know money situation when i was a kid so like it was cool that i was able to keep up with this and really got into their characters and then they eventually became really really important to the new jedi order storyline where jason basically kidnapped by the bad guys and turns to the dark side and comes back from it and jaina becomes this pit like this pivotal part of the new republic and did you play them with the different characters yeah they were my favorites characters by a long shot and like the biggest thing that hurts me about the old storylines being pushed out of canon was that they were no longer essentially relevant to the movies and things like that like i i wanted to see them get cast in something and obviously never did so yeah no that's that's probably my choice and it's really hard to make that choice but <laughs> there it is yeah it really is yeah because my answer again I, I wish i could choose multiple different things so i'm just gonna go straight from the star wars movies to choose for them because otherwise if i try to get into other areas then it gets very messy with my karth love and my Revan love and it just it's too messy so <laughs> Revan, uh. i know i know right exactly so i'm just gonna go with the movies and based off of all the movies from the originals to the sequels my favorite character is definitely padme amidala um i remember watching her as a kid as a very strong female lead uh i loved what she wore i loved her hair i loved what she talked about i loved that she got anakin who i was also in love with and then as an adult watching her i loved the way that she views the world and democracy and politics and how poised she is and elegant but strong and fierce and so uh even as an adult from whenever i was a kid watching her to now i still watch her performance and even though i know that the acting that natalie portman is capable of doing is not quite on par for what it could have been in episode three a lot of people debate about i still thought that she was brilliant so definitely my favorite character padme amadala we're going to circle back on that for a future episode. Yeah. I think because you got a lot to say. Oh, yeah, I got a lot to say. I got such a lady crush on, crush on her. <laughs> um, so to follow up on favorite, least favorite character in the Star Wars oh. universe. So that's a tough one because I don't like being too negative. Like there's enough negative Star Wars out there. I don't need, I tried to, not to bounce on too tough on people. Yeah, but... not because of people, but the character itself. You can still have characters you don't like because of the character. I actually do have a really easy answer for this one. And that is Zero the Hut. <laughs> to mention nice. the yep. Clone Wars movie that you mentioned yep. earlier. I, like, like Ahsoka's annoying in that movie. That's granted. Like, that's whatever it is. She grows out of it. Zero the Hut. Oh, that's just grating. Like, this really horrible accent of a Hut speaking English. Hut speaking English, that's one thing. But to have it have this cartoony accent that it had, and nothing against the performance of the, of the person. It was just a bad design decision, I thought, yeah. to have this character camping it up all over the place yeah that's my easy answer for that <laughs> zero time. um i don't really have a good answer but um once again kind of going back to my original feelings about star wars and a lot because of my brother um my answer is c-3po <laughs> Ooh, hot take. Ooh, controversial i know because okay, i've always <laughs> thought that he was kind of annoying in general anyways and didn't really bring much to the story but then I know my brother kind of likes C-3PO for a while. So I kind of also thought of C-3PO and my brother kind of together in the same thought. And of course, he's my, he's my <laughs> older can, brother. So I can see Brian as C-3PO. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 my answer. <laughs> 
Uh, my answer um, is, I guess, less now than whenever I was in my younger years and like early teen years forwards, my thoughts for it. But it still just clings to me because of almost nostalgia reasons of arguments that I've had. It's an argument that I've had recently with Jay, but Luke Skywalker yeah. is still my least favorite character in star wars i still don't like him (laughs) (laughs) i still don't like him i can especially in the sequels i actually liked him more because i was like able to um connect his character better for how he was acting the way he was acting based on his entire history um so i actually didn't mind him as much even though a lot of people were more annoyed with him in the in the sequels than i was but overall as his entire character I don't like him. He's either whiny or cocky, and I don't like either of it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could say he's cocky for the Jedi too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the arrogance is definitely there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> A another question that um, I always like to ask people because it's almost like asking the Hogwarts house of people on which house you belong to in Harry Potter is um, if you were to be a Jedi, which one of the Jedi positions would you be? So there's the Jedi Knight, uh, the Jedi Sentinel, and the Jedi Consular are, like, the main three. I know there's, like, the Mystics and, like, the kind of subclasses, but those have always been kind of, like, the main three. It, it also depends on what, like, source book you're looking at, because they've never really settled 100% on one group of classes and, like, stuck to it. Truth. If you look at the rulebook for Fantasy Flight Games system that we play on Ashes of the Order, like, they break it down differently than that one uh, source book path of the Jedi that was released a few years ago. But that being said, I think I'd fall somewhere towards the consulars. This is harder than like Hogwarts houses. Cause most people will say Gryffindor just cause like, well, like they're Harry Potter's one. They're supposed to be like the best, right? Like I'm treading into very dangerous waters talking about Harry Potter <laughs> like, like this with you too. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like most people who don't know a lot about Harry Potter, if they're asked about like which house should be like, they're like, Oh, well, Still Gryffindor. Gryffindor yeah. <laughs> Like most people aren't going to say, "Oh yeah, I'd be Slytherin for sure." Like if someone says that, it's like, "Okay, well, what shady shit are you into?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways, Star Wars. I think consular because they usually have like a bit of like a bit of, like a knowledge based slant on them. I'm trying to think of what like Qui Gon would be. Yeah, he'd be consular because he had the green lightsaber, right? So again, if we're basing it off of their lightsaber colors, they're supposed to identify what they yeah. are and things like that. Yeah, that's another tricky. I know, <laughs> right? Typically yeah. green, but yeah. Well, if we're going by lightsaber color, I want to be whatever Mace Windu is because he has the cool fighting style where <laughs> yeah, he leans he does, into the yeah. dark side a little bit. Yeah. So that's probably what I'd be. Is I'd, I'd be a Mace Windu. Mace He's probably because because Mace Windu would probably be more like Guardian based on what they portrayed him as. He's never really much into like he's he's definitely a fighter right he's yeah, if you're looking at D D he's he's a fighter and honestly i'd probably lean more towards guardian as well just because typically in any game D D whatever i always like to be the guy in the middle of the brawl just hacking and slashing as much as i also want to say i'd like to be more into the force too but like a, a sentinel is but yeah i'm i'm definitely more of the hack and slash kind of jedi fight <laughs> and then one of the main reasons why whenever i did lahela's character as a consular is because that is definitely the class that i would want to go with for sure um their main thing is wanting to bring um balance and justice is their main things and like if i've ever taken any kind of test ever whenever you're a teenager any personality test that's always the results i got was making sure that things were just and balanced um so consular is a very easy choice for me how fitting that how fitting that you're gonna be playing a paladin we play D D tomorrow. I know. <laughs> it's my first time though. I'm a little bit nervous. How do I tank? Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how. <laughs> you run close to people. You get hits, so other people don't get hit. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say because I usually like the, the health the health thing, you know. Amy's just a little bit obsessed with healing. Um, so I guess uh, last question for our lightning round um, is uh, a bit more of a, a fun one and hopefully a bit more easy to, to pick from. Um, but your favorite planet in the Star Wars universe? Oh, you said that'd be easy. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's so it's, many. It's supposed to be a There's bit more cut and so dry. Many. Hmm. Alderaan. Oof. <laughs> Before it was blown up. <laughs> I'm a big fan of of, of Alderaan post Death Star. <laughs> See, you guys are joking, but that's my actual answer is Alderaan because all the ways it was described was supposed to be like beautiful and peaceful, and then you think of its government system and it's awesome. So Alderaan actually who said it was my who's, answer. Who, who this? Who this? Who, who said that I was joking? Amy. Oh, Virgil. Virgil joined in. I can check it. Tell his meow. Virgil had to be involved. Yeah, thank you, bud. That's true. One of the books I read before Master and Apprentice was Cantabite, 
and Alderaan is mentioned um, a few times, and actually even how they've described it. It does seem like a very beautiful planet. I, I, I always love nature, and it just seems like, yeah, it would be a, a beautiful place to be, and its politics have always been very fair and just, and it just seems like a safe place to be for a traveler. Until it gets blown up. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Safe, then there's safe that. is not the word I'd use for Alderaan. <laughs> Hell! When it was still around, you would never know it was going to be blown up. True, yes. It didn't seem like it had a seedy underbelly. Like, I'm sure it did because it's impossible not to, but it seemed like they were able to take care of it fairly well. <laughs> yeah. If any planet in Star Wars has, like, a minimal seedy underbelly, it's it's Alderaan. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a great book by Claudia Gray, who is... I've read about her constantly on the show before, but she's, like, one of the best Star Wars authors out there right now, and she has a, a young adult book called Leia, Princess of Alderaan, that, which deals with her first getting involved in the Rebellion and the Senate. And you spend a good amount of time on Alderaan, obviously. Great for Princess Leia's character and great for Alderaan. Because, like, we don't get to see it very often. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, we, it's basically mentioned in the movies, saying that's where Leia's from, and then it's blown up. It's like, and your dust. Yeah. I'm looking at, at, at my bookshelf right now, trying to, like, remind myself of what would be the best <laughs> option. <laughs> this is tough. It's tough. Jakku. Because you, yeah. you love the way the <laughs> sand feels like on your body. <laughs> Yeah, you're opposite of Anakin. You like that it's coarse. <laughs> you know what? Like, I was thinking Naboo recently would be like a really good place mm-hmm. to live in Star Wars. That that would be another. It should it should have been evolved more because like it's this weird idyllic like and like again to speak of places with very minimal see the underbelly. Naboo is like a good approximation of what Alderaan would have been. Like I feel. Yeah, Naboo is actually my. It's my basically Italy in space. Still don't love the Gunkins. But like they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. That's the reason why it's not my first favorite is because of the Gunkins. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about them before, and like we don't hate them, but we also don't love them. Yeah, no, yeah. They they seemed like a, just a a place filler, just to have some kind of outside help in Naboo in the, the battle. It's like it was just kind of like last minute. Like we need something. Here's these weird aliens. They're kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess I don't really. Coruscant's really cool too, and like. The new canon hasn't dealt with it too much, which is kind of a shame, but like it was a really big part of the old Legends novels. And so it's basically a planet that's covered in city, but there's still a lot of like diversity in the zones and whatnot. And you've got like the government sections, and then like you go down to the lower levels of the city, it's absolute crime den. Mm-hmm. So there's some really cool options with that. I guess that would probably be my choice, it would be Coruscant. I don't know, it's so hard. That's you said this would be easy. I know, I'm it's, sorry it's that my easy. easy question was hard. It's just picking a planet you like, Chris. God, don't put too much thought into it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the favorite though. That's heavy. Well, anyways, what's what's yours? No, mine's definitely the Alderaan one. No, pre or post Death Star. <laughs> post, obviously. No. Pre obviously. <laughs> I like the death. That is my favorite asteroid belt. <laughs> no, obviously pre. And like we talked about before, just I'd imagine like the as beautiful as Naboo with politics that are similar but more of a democracy versus a monarchy, even though I know it's kind of like a mixture of monarchy and democracy with Naboo. Just seems pretty awesome. Or seemed ooh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Forty two years too soon. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Naboo kind of feels like what Alderaan should have been, but like Lucas didn't want to set things on Alderaan because then they blow it'd it be up. hard to do the whole switch with, with Padme to, yeah, like, it, like it'd, it'd be hard to pass the twins off yeah. if they were like directly from Alderaan as well. Yeah, it would have been trickier. So I feel like, I feel like he made Alderaan 2 and called it Naboo. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough because like, there's not a lot of great planets. Like, there's a lot of like cool iconic planets that are really interesting. Like, Crate is a cool setting for a planet and we have all we've had all these different themes and things like that but there's a lot of crap to each of these planets that would make it hard to live on it well host is the ice planet and like that's kind of close to canada half the time <laughs> um so like, the, like my mind goes oh hoth would be a cool pick yeah not not this year but but yeah like i, I still don't want to live in that absolute cold all the time like but that's part of why i had a hard time picking something there because like it's a lot of like half developed concepts that yeah don't uh, and don't the, translate to yeah. full time citizenship. And, and I feel like a lot of planets are very extreme, right? Like you have Tatooine, which is entirely desert like and so hot and then Hoth is completely cold and you know Another planet I really like, and I can't think of the name right now, so maybe Chris you can help me out, is um the Twilight planet. I like that planet. Rylar? Yes. Yeah, I think that planet's really cool. It's a lot of like hot weather there, I believe. Yeah, like, it's yeah, just very jungly. And again, I wouldn't want to live there, but like looking at it and looking at pictures of it and in the games when you're there and things like that, it just looks cool. By that logic, I would throw Yavin 4 into the mix too, because like again, going back to the Young Jedi Knights novels, like 
there's a lot of cool history there with the Masai temples and all the old uh, force stuff there. But isn't Yavin again like or a moon, not a planet? Well, I mean, I, I think I think moons count for the purposes of this. Like, <laughs> hey, now that wasn't I in will, the question. I will, I will allow it. That's no moon. Uh, next, next question, which is your favorite moon in the Star Wars universe? Looks <laughs> well, like that, that takes half the planets out of the yeah. running. It's like Endor. Like the planet Endor, that, or the planet that they go to is a moon of Endor. Yes. Like yeah, actually, like none of the plants from Fallen Order are that great. Like to like live on, they're they're fun to run around in that game. But yeah, I know that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of like Kotor and Kotor Two as well, being like, what planets there do I like? And I'm like, nah. Again, some of them are kind of cool, but I like Manon. I'm like, ew, no. Yeah, or even like Kashik too, right? I mean, it's a lot of giant trees, but there's also a lot of really dangerous shit that could kill you. And it's like, I don't know if that would be my favorite. That just seems terrifying. Yeah. And like Moncala is kind of cool, but it's a lot of water. It's hard to get around. That's tough. Unless you're, you know, Mon Calamari or. Uh... Well, <laughs> lots of trap. It's trap. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for us for today, actually. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a good chat, guys. Yeah. I nice know. To talk to you again. <laughs> thanks. It's nice to feel like we're friends. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks no for joining problem. me, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having yeah. us, Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. Our network of Star Wars shows is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are free, with new episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. And please consider supporting us on Patreon to help shape the show and access bonus content. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on Twitter at Kyber Club or on Facebook and Instagram at Quarter Portion Podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer it on the show. You can find me on Twitter at Django Fletch and on YouTube at Wilderness Wisdom. And I'm on Twitter at Hookathy. Until the next time, may you be one with the Force. And may the Force be with you. The Quarter Portion Podcast is sponsored by Heroes Comics, Southwestern Ontario's largest comic book and collectible store. Located in the heart of downtown London at 186 Dundas Street, Heroes specializes in new and vintage comics, along with action figures, statues, and collectibles of all types. Whether you're looking for Star Wars comics and toys, or the latest graphic novels, manga, and trade paperbacks, Heroes has something for fans of all stripes. For more information, visit heroescomics.ca.